You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, everybody. Greetings to all you, my family out there in Metro Vision land. It's good to be with you guys tonight. It's good to see everybody, at least in my mind, I can see you all. And uh, it's good to be together. Um, we are uh, all in our lovely homes watching uh, midweek service. And, uh, you know, as, as, as has been said a million times, a lot's going on. You know, there's so much happening in our world. And it's really a remarkable time and just how things are changing and shifting and, and our country is being tested. Our church is being tested. Our faith is being tested. Our convictions are being tested. And really, uh, there's just, there's a lot of, uh, I, I, I personally believe God is moving in very powerful ways, but I also see how Satan is moving in very powerful ways as well. And I think that um, there's some really great progress being made in race relations and understanding and even in healing. And then there's some things that Satan is really getting in there and meddling with and trying to cause problems and trying to divide us and trying to get us to to go the other way, you know, instead of moving forward and advancing and this being a time of great growth and positive change. Uh, being a time of confusion and fear and doubt and worry. And so I wanted to do a lesson that would just help us, some things to help us think through and and manage the information. Now, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, you won't deal with maybe never or maybe not for years. Some of it may help with things you're dealing with now. There's things coming at us, different things, different, depending on where you're at in life, where you're at spiritually, where you're at. Um, so these are just general tools. Okay. Um, I know this, this is what I know, uh, is that God is good, right? We all agree on that. God is good. God is good. So as we're tested and challenged with different ideas, different thoughts, different feelings, it's always good. One of the things you always want to do is just drop back to Jesus, right? Go back to Jesus. You know, when, when, you know, go back to God, get, reconnected at the source of all life, all truth, right? The title of the lesson today is The Way of the Lord, and the subtitle is Navigating Social Minefields Today. And, you know, specifically what I mean is that there's a lot of different ideas, perspectives being thrown around out there. Even, you know, we we we, we have a squad that's helping us move forward with the the dialogues that need to happen communication that needs to happen, understanding that needs to happen. We we have each of us our own understanding of what's happening in the world with race relations, with you know, COVID, with with where's the church, you know, what the church needs to grow in, all this stuff. But there's a lot of different ideas out there. Some of them are very healthy, very good. Some of them are not healthy and not good. Some of them are clearly good. Some of them are clearly bad. And then some of them are a little deceptive, a little deceiving. And, and, and we don't, not sure, we either are not sure what to do with those ideas or we think they're right, but they're not all right. Or, you know, and, and so this lesson is really to just help us how to framework what's going on in our world right now and how to think about these things rooted in Jesus. Because Jesus, I think we all agree, 
is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, right? Ego emi jojodos jolecia josoe. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We all agree on that. We know that as Christians. Now the whole world doesn't agree on that, of course. But that's that's that that's the world. We're not worried about the world right now. What the greater concern in this lesson is where are we at as disciples of Jesus? And really keeping our eyes open, our hearts open to God's will so that God's will can be done, being in step with the Spirit and, and being guided by God through this tumultuous time, through the perils around us. Um, I don't think that there's been any time in history where we had great growth without challenge you know, or a great time spiritually without Satan striking, right? Um, so we drop back to the most fundamental things that we know. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We know Jesus is the way and he's the one way, right? Um, that whole idea of the way or the way, the path is another way to say it. Or the, you know, el camino del Señor, the, the road of Jesus, the, the path of Jesus. This is what we all want to stay on, right? This is what we all want to not drift away from. That concept, the way, is really a big concept. Goes through the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, the way of the Lord. Uh, in Deuteronomy 5.33, it says, Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. We know that the constant struggle throughout the history of God's people has always been staying on the path, right? That there are times where we read in the Old Testament, God's people were right on the path. They're marching along doing great. God is blessing them. And then they start to deviate. They start to go off path, right? And and things start going bad. They're, they're, they suffer. Everybody suffers. Then there's a time of repentance, and they get back on the path. Um, but it's always preceded by confusion. And that's, that's Satan's job. His job is to confuse things. His job is to, to, to muddy the water, confuse the way. You know, I love this picture. I know you've seen it before. I love using it because I think it's just the way it is sometimes. You look out there and man, you know, you, what, what can I do? Do I move forward? Do I move left? Do I move right? And we're not really sure. But here's the beauty of, of God's promise. In Isaiah 30, verse 20, he says, Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, although sometimes things are really hard, and sometimes things are really confusing, and sometimes things are painful, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. In other words, God always provides the way out. He always provides the path. And sometimes we got to really be paying attention. Sometimes we've got to really look carefully to make sure we keep our eyes on the path or on Jesus and see the path clearly before us. In Isaiah 35, this is a classic scripture, and it says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness, okay? The road of those who are set apart for Jesus. It's our road. That's our our highway. He says, the unclean will not journey on it. 
won't be for non-Christians. It will be for those who walk in that way, the way of Jesus. Wicked fools will not go about on it. You're not going to find foolish people there. Foolish people don't follow Jesus. Foolish people reject it all. No lion will be there. There isn't going to be anything that's going to destroy us. There will be challenges. There will be difficult times, but the lion is not going to eat us. Nor will be ferocious beasts to get up upon it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. There's a path that is cleared for us, the disciples of Jesus. And that path is what you've always got to pray about. What's the path in front of me, Lord? What is what is my road in front of me? You know, this is the path that Jesus cut for us. But it's very important that we stay on the path, that we don't veer off the path, the way of Jesus. And there's so many exits off this highway. There's so many things trying to get us to go off path, to get off the, 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 the way of Jesus. And there's tons of scriptures about it. I got a whole list of them. We don't need to read all of them, but well, I'll just read through them. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. He says, do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to following other gods and serving them. Don't let anything spiritual pull you away. Be very strong. Be very careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. 28.6 of Joshua. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning to the right or to the left. Again, don't go right. Don't go left. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, David, not turning to the right or to the left. He followed the way. He stayed on the way. This is this is Josiah, the one of the great kings. Uh, Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So don't let yourself be pulled to the right or pulled to the left. Stay on path is basically what he's saying. And then the one that's kind of the one that I use as a foundational one is Joshua 1, 7. Three of those were from Joshua. Be strong and very brave. <clears throat> Make sure you obey the whole law my servant Moses gave you. The whole law, not parts of it, but all of it. And this is where really where I think this is where we get in trouble a lot of times is we'll put emphasis on certain scriptures and ignore other scriptures. And that will cause us to lean to the right or lean to the left. And what could be just a tiny leaning, maybe two degrees, in one step, no big deal. Ten steps, you start to veer off. A thousand steps, you're on a whole different path. You're not on the same path anymore. What we point at is very important. And so that's why all these warnings about not turning to the left, not turning to the right, not veering in any of those directions. He says, then you will have success wherever you go. Never stop reading the scroll of the law. Day and night, you must think about what it says. Make sure you do everything that is written in it. Then things will go well with you and you will have great success. I mean, if I, I could have done the class really with just this verse. It's all in here. 
Keep your focus on God and the scriptures and on doing God's will. And that'll keep you from being pulled by any other philosophies, theologies, political ideologies, theories, popular ideas, good sayings, whatever, that nothing will pull you off that. And and this is where I think in times like now where there's so much going on out there and there's so much debate about what is true and what is right and how should we be and how should we not be. It's exhausting. I think a lot of us, honestly, are just tired. We're, we're, a lot of us are kind of emotionally worn out, you know, maybe even, you know, fatigued. And uh good thing it's July. A lot of us are going on vacation in July and August and we need it, right? But, but, um, uh, the the answer is very simple. Stay devoted to the whole the whole law, the whole scripture, the whole thing. Now, obviously, he's talking Old Testament's Old Testament law, but where does this apply in the New Testament for us as Christians? For us, it's be devoted completely to Jesus, to all of Jesus, all that Jesus taught us, all that Jesus said, all that Jesus did. We have to be radically committed to Jesus. And this is super important right now. Why? Because things are heating up out in the world politically, socially. And there's all these different ideas and stuff happening, swirling around us. And it's really important that we are radically committed to God's word and to Jesus. You know, there are things like, 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 like I, you know, you, you guys know I did the, I did the lesson on Jesus and justice or social justice and it's because he did say, speak up. He did say, go do this. So because he said that, then we should do it, right? That's what we should do. He did say, have concern for the fatherless. Now he didn't say, go, you know, overthrow the government and do all that. No, he didn't say that. And that's not in the scripture. So we're not advocating that. What we are advocating is that everybody care for each other and that we have particularly concern for those that are hurting. That's being radically devoted. It doesn't matter how that fits in our thinking. If it's what Jesus said to do, that's what we do. And and it doesn't matter where we're at, politically or not politically. If we feel so much like we should go overthrow a government, sorry, that's not what Jesus did, so that's not what we should do. And and we follow Jesus. So the way through the the, the traps that Satan has out there for us is following Jesus, being wholly committed to everything he taught, everything he did. I want to cover some of the challenges that we're facing. And and these challenges are, they're formidable challenges. They're big challenges. These challenges, first of all, let me tell you, are universal. They're not just to us. They're not just to us in our region. They're to disciples for the history of, of the church. They've always been there. And it's good to know these challenges because honestly, if you're aware of these challenges, this will help you your whole life because this isn't the only, obviously the only challenge we're going to face. We're going to face multiple challenges in the future, but there are challenges to staying on the path. Uh, the, the pendulum challenge, the horseshoe challenge, the magnet, the lens, the wineskin. You're like, what are all those things? Let me explain the first one, the pendulum challenge, um, if you've been around a while, you know that we tend to swing on a pendulum. We go from one extreme to the other. We tend to, that's, that's human nature, right? Um, uh, when, when everything changed in the church, with church, for those of you that weren't around, there was a 2001 to 2003, the church went through a radical change, 
right? And we realized that we were way too far focused on evangelism, and we did a lot of stuff that was just all about growth, 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 growth. Statistics, numbers, and all this kind of stuff. That basically your value was by who you baptize, and it was not good. It was it was really instead of Jesus being the focus, baptisms and evangelism became the focus. Which anytime you have a different focus other than Jesus, you're off. You're off, and it'll eventually blow up in your face. So we we got too focused on these things, but then when everything changed, we swung the other way. And then I remember being told, uh, we had just moved to San Diego in the middle of that swing. And I remember being told, you can preach to them, but you cannot preach about discipleship or evangelism. I was like, what? They said, do not use the word evangelism. Do not use the word discipleship. Why? Well, because everybody gets offended and upset by that. And it's like, oh my gosh, we've swung all the way to another extreme. Here's the thing. God never, even when we're messing up, he doesn't ever say swing to the opposite. He doesn't, you know, which is our natural reaction. What does God say? Repent, which means usually a balanced view. You know, it's a, it's where Jesus is the center and everything else is where it should be. So always just remember this, you know, I, well, I love this scripture, Ecclesiastes 7.18. It is good to grasp the one and not to go and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. We just got to stay away from extremes. That's that pendulum. For years, we didn't talk about grace. I don't think we really understood grace as a group very well. And then when everything changed, that's all anybody was supposed to preach about was grace, 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 grace. And we didn't want to talk about truth and judgment and righteousness, you know, which you can't do that. You can't just swing. And the truth is, if you swing too many times on the pendulum, after a while, nobody believes you anyways. Everybody's like, ah, that's the latest fad. Ah, that's what everybody's saying now. They'll change in six years. It'll change in 10 years. God never called us to reaction. He called us to repentance, which means you focus on Jesus and his message. And that's what we got to make sure we're doing. So there, there are problems we're dealing with right now. There are problems, very real social problems that we're dealing with. We have to make sure we don't react, that we call everyone to repentance, not reaction. Reaction usually sends you to the wrong place. The other one, the number two is, is, is the horseshoe. Is that somebody once shown me, showed me this, the ideologies, things that people believe in, um, are they, they're more like a horseshoe than they are a straight, uh, a spectrum. They're not a spectrum. They're really more like a, a horseshoe. And the left, the extreme left and extreme right are not that far apart from each other. They're both extreme. What is far from extreme is balanced, healthy maturity or Jesus' way, right? So it's harder to climb up that horseshoe and get to Jesus. It's easier to just react and jump from one to the other, from extreme left to extreme right. And and that is very dangerous because, again, it's another pendulum. But the better thing to do is always ask, what did Jesus say or what would Jesus do? Again, that keeps us from bouncing back and forth and going to extremes. Number three, the magnet. Um, 
You know, there's a lot of things out there to deceive us, including our own nature and our own impulses. Um, uh, I love this scripture in Ephesians 4. Uh, well, he says, there, Then you will, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by, the, by, their, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love and each part as each part does its work. So God is, 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 he's building his church. He's building his family. He's raising up the body of Christ. We each have our part in that. And, but the important thing is that we're not tossed around by every wind of teaching. And you say, well, why, why are you so focused on this, Robert? It's because there's a lot of winds of teaching out there right now. And maybe you're not running into them. Maybe in your world, nobody's telling you weird ideas or anything. Great. Amen. Stay focused. Or maybe in your world, you're hearing it from a lot of different people. Well, I think this and I think that and we need this and society this and socially this and and I'm not saying that it's wrong to to check into things, but what I'm saying is be careful because there's lots of different ideas out there. And as Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. There are things that pull us. The reason I call them magnets is because, because there are things that we're drawn to that pull us in their direction, depending on what you like and don't like, depending on your perspective depending on your your history, your culture, even your race, it's going to have an influence on you. And then it's going to pull us this way or pull us that way. And we have to make sure that we're not being pulled away from anything Jesus said or did, but that we're that we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. In the political worldview, you know, we're talking about going not going to the left or the right. I think it's ironic that so much of the language is left or right because that is actually how we organize the political world, the leftists and the right wing, right? Um, and we have to be really careful that we're not being pulled to the left or to the right. You know, if you looked at a spectrum, that's the blue one on here. You've got, you've got the Democrat, which is on the left side of center, the Republican on the right side of center. You've got the socialist, the communist extreme left. You got the dictator, the monarch extreme right, you know, and, and, we got to get be careful that that politics don't dictate our religion. We are first devoted to Jesus and to the kingdom of God. We can have other ideas and other beliefs. That's fine. We all some some of us are more conservative, some of us are more liberal, you know, um even in the spiritual world there were left and right. The Sadducees were, hey, let's work with the Romans, let's work with the empire, the Pharisees were not quite, let's work with them, but they weren't radical. The scenes were more radical. They were like, let's get away from everybody. Let's be out there on our own and do our own thing. You know, those who lean toward the left, they tend to identify with God's love. Those who lean to the right tend to identify with the truth and righteousness of God. Um, on the left, it's the mercy and love of God. On the right, it's the truth and righteousness of God. Now, funny, John 1 states very clearly, Jesus came full of what? Grace and truth. Jesus was both sides, right? Um, even in, in human nature, there's, there's liberal and there's conservative, right? There's, uh, 
the 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 liberal laid back you know kind of thinking and then there's more the conservative which is conservative and can be very legalistic um and and the liberal can be more hypocritical more worldly and the conservative can be more judgmental more harsh i mean these are just natural things that happen they show up at home usually a lot of times in the family i've said this before that there's one parent that's the disciplinarian that deserves a spanking you know that deserves punishment and then there's another parent that oh just you know you got to be understanding and we can have a good talk and you know they need another hug and if you give them a hug they'll want to do what's right and you know we we tend to some of us as christians we 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 float towards righteousness and discipline some of us as christians we float towards or we're drawn towards grace and love and mercy and kindness be aware of that that's all be aware be self-aware so that if somebody presents an argument that and you're if you're lean, if you naturally lean to the left god's love grace mercy and somebody presents an argument for that side know that that's going to draw you somebody presents a side of we need to you know have statistics and we need to challenge each other more to that's going to repel you because you lean to the left or you lean to the right and that's the warning remember do not go do not turn to the right do not turn to the left again ecclesiastes 17:18 it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other okay cuz it's both sides that create a balance whoever fears god will avoid all extremes okay remember that this is really important especially for right now because of all the ideologies and political stuff that is swirling around us number 4 you have to know what color your lens is you know, we all have different lenses. Um, if we've been hurt, which many of us have, then the importance of healing and understanding and being kind, being patient is going to be extremely important to you. And that's good. That's good. It's part of what you bring to the table. If you've not been hurt, or not much, or not in the same way, but you are tend more to lean to the right, and you're really concerned about righteousness and holiness, then you're going to lean that way. And anything that is like, hey, let's move on, let's get going, let's just you know suck it up, that's going to draw you, and that's and that and that's going to color your 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 lens, how you see things. Oh, I think you know. Church is falling apart because we haven't been talking about evangelism or the church is evil because we haven't talked about healing and, and the things that need to happen. Keep in mind your lens. Everybody has a lens. Everybody has a lens. Again, the importance of self-awareness. Be aware what your lenses are. Well, I tend to see things this way, so I've got to make an extra effort to see things in a different way. That's why we have to talk to each other. That's why the what the squad is promoting is dialogue so that we learn from each other, so that we grow together, not 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 so that we condemn each other and write each other off and label each other and and look down on each other. No, please. And that is what happens out there in the world. Hopefully not in the church. Hopefully in the church we grow together as we learn from one another. Proverbs 23, 19 says, Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. 
Listen, learn from each other. If we, if we, if we practice Philippians 2, consider others better than ourselves. Make the interest of others our own interest. Have the attitude of Christ Jesus. Something like what we're going through now, which is going to make the church awesome. If we're learning from each other and we're truly learning how to respect and appreciate one another at levels we've never had before, it can be wonderful. But if we get, if it goes the other way, it could be a nightmare. Number, um, five, uh, wineskins. And I'm, I'm sneaking up on this one. So money, those of you who know me know I love classic cars and I've restored a couple of them and I, and, and I hope someday to have another one that I can work on and restore. Um, that's not an easy process. It takes a lot of work, a lot of painful work. It takes time. It just takes a whole lot to restore something from bad to good, from um, from a mess to something glorious. As God's people, we're always being restored. God is always restoring us as a church, as a movement. We're part of what's called the restoration movement, meaning a group of people who are trying to restore New Testament Christianity. And the worst thing you can do in a restoration process is think you've arrived before you have arrived. And honestly, I think it's the mistake that got us in trouble in the nineties is we thought we were it. We're the ones we've arrived. We, you know, everybody else needs to be like us and we got it all. We understand it all. And we got humbled by God. And hopefully we learned that no, we, we have not arrived. We've still got some learning to do, still have some growing to do. Right. In, in first Peter one five, he says, for this reason, very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and the goodness knowledge and the knowledge self-control and the self-control perseverance and the perseverance godliness and the godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we, we need to be continually learning, continually growing, right? Um, this is incredibly important that we not think we've arrived, that we, we've got it all down. And you might think, well, who thinks that? Sometimes it's not what we say or what we think up here in the forefront of our mind. It's more how we act. When somebody challenges us to change something, we don't want to change it. Wait, if you're not arrived and you have to grow, that means you have to change. That means you've got things to still repent of, right? But yet when somebody challenges us to repent or to change, we get defensive or we feel under attack. And that's the impulse we got to watch out for. Because we know we've not arrived, we have to continually be growing and looking for how is God trying to teach me? What is God showing me? What does God want me to grow in? I'll give you an example. When 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 I worked with Hope Worldwide, and I was given the very specific mission to help our church, our worldwide fellowship, grow in its conviction and understanding of helping the poor, the importance to helping the poor. So the, what did I do? Of course, the first thing I did is launch into a major Bible study on it. And I studied all the scriptures that had to do with the poor. And I studied and I read a bunch of books about it. Pro, for, and con. You know, books that were, church needs to repent and get out there. 
and books that were like, beware, be careful, because if the church gets too focused on helping the poor, it'll just become the Red Cross and it won't be the church anymore. Or the, the gospel of, 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 uh, uh, the social gospel or, or liberation theology, or all this stuff that's trying to turn the church into an organization that's all about serving the poor instead of about the mission of Jesus. So I read all that learning, learning what is good, what is bad, what, what, what's in the middle, what's healthy. And of course, the answer always is the same. What, what did Jesus do? Jesus is our perfect example. And that is ultimately the answer, right? But, but it's very much our nature. Well, I'm, I'm restored. I'm there. You know, I'm done. Um, we got to be careful. We don't become old wineskins. Jesus said at one point, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. What's he mean? If you don't know what a wineskin is, you won't, probably won't get this parable. I, I have wineskins. My dad was a bartender, and we always had them in the house, and I still have one. Um, wineskin is, it's, it's a bag made out of leather. They used to be made out of the stomachs of animals, but now they're, they're made out of leather. But the same principle applies. An old wineskin, the leather gets dry and hard. You've seen, you know, leather that's really old. It's crusty and it's a bag. So he say, if you put something new in that, it'll just burst. Why? Because when it's old and crusty, it won't flex anymore. It's, it's unchangeable. It's, it's rigid and it won't, it won't, it won't move around. It, it's lost its elasticity, its ability to be flexible. And so you pour new liquid in there, it bursts, it bursts and, and you lose everything. He warns us about not being old wineskins. Old wineskin is a Christian who won't change anymore, who won't listen to new things, who wants nothing new, wants everything the way it was. Be careful because God is teaching us. What I learned in that time at Hope was that not only are we supposed, not only is it a good thing to help the poor, we are commanded to help the poor. And in fact, Jesus told parables about people going to hell because they didn't help the poor. And the scriptures clearly say this. I, I spoke with the top leaders of our movement and we went through the scriptures together and together came to that conclusion. Did the same thing with the teachers of our movement. And we all agreed that, that helping the poor is a salvation issue. There will be people who don't go to heaven because they ignored the poor. It's that important. But believe me, trying to get the whole church to listen to that and agree was a very challenging task. I mean, that's why Michelle and I traveled all over the world. We went to 68 cities in the first year and a half working with Hope. I met with nearly every leadership group in on the planet. I mean, all over, everywhere from Asia, Africa, South America, North America, Europe, Middle East, Africa. All I went everywhere. We met with the leadership groups and we showed them the scriptures and pretty much all of them agreed. However, there were individuals who were afraid that we we're I was going to try to turn the church into a Red Cross or the Salvation Army. And all I could do was assure them that, no, Jesus is our model. And Jesus made it very clear that the most important thing is not your physical needs, your spiritual needs. 
and the 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 best pro, the best parable is the one that where they lowered the paralytic through the roof, and and paralytic man paralytic means he he can't walk he can't move his limbs he's lying there, and what does Jesus tell him? Be healed? No, he says your sins are forgiven. That made a major statement. What was the man's obvious need, physical needs? What was the most important need? Not so obvious, but the most important was the spiritual need. That's the truth. That is the truth. But we still have to learn new things. We have to learn. We have, as a movement, we had to learn that helping the poor is part of our Christian life. And I think as a movement, we're learning it. We're not 100% there, but we went from very few people believing that to most people believing that in our fellowship and acknowledging that. That's part of restoration. That was a step of restoration. Today, we're learning now about racial respect and equality and really loving each other. Same thing. It's challenges some. It's scary for some. Like, oh, no, you're turning us into, you know, a bunch of neo-Marxist capitalists, whatever. You know, no, no, no. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus because God is restoring us. And we can't be afraid. We can't be the old wineskin that's inflexible, unchangeable, and unwilling to hear something new. We have to. Otherwise, we will not be restored. We'll turn into, like so many other groups, the the people who won't change, the people who who refuse to. So the the questions I have that we need to ask ourselves is, is is the church done restoring New Testament Christianity? Obvious answer is no. We still got more to grow. What? I, I, I don't know. I, God's going to reveal it to us, but we've got to be willing to change and grow when he does reveal it. We can't fight him when he reveals things. And I say that because there is fear out there. Oh no, you know, where's all this going? Or I'm tired of hearing about race talk or I'm in, no, I, I get it. I, I get it. And I think a lot of us are on of all races, but we got to make sure that we really get this down that we really change what we need to change and we do it right and we do it godly and we do it as Jesus would have us do it. And at the same time, we got to make sure that we're not influenced by the world too much, that the world isn't dictating to us what we need to do and how we need to do it. No, Jesus is dictating it to us. Um, another question, is God done with me? No, of course not. He's not. Uh, am I exactly like Jesus? Obviously not, right? But you got to ask yourself that so we recognize, ah, I still need to grow. I still need to change. I still need to become more. Um, so the question, you know, what can we do to protect ourselves? And here's, here's the practicals and we'll close out with. What can we do to protect ourselves to stay on the path and not go off? Number one, you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. There's a lot of junk out there that's going to get thrown at you. And it's getting thrown around right now out there on the internet, on Facebook, on the news, on television. Be careful. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, YouTube, Facebook, news, talk shows, radio talk, political commentaries. Be careful. Really. I am afraid. And I am very concerned. That some of us are going to get unduly influenced, in a bad way influenced, by political garbage out there. Don't let it happen to you. There will be people who leave the church because of political 
philosophies instead of following Jesus. And that is tragic. Don't let it happen to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When we share, when we read things, when we learn things, when we hear things, whether it's videos or talk shows or commentaries, whatever, we have to ask ourselves, is it edifying? Does it build up the body of Christ? Is it unifying? Does it bring us together? Is it biblical? Is this what the Bible teaches? Is it godly? Is this bringing us closer to the likeness of our Lord? Or is it pulling us farther away? Is it helping me to love and to trust and to serve and to give? Or is it making me bitter and angry? We got to ask ourselves, we got to check these things. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. So we got to protect our hearts out there. You know, I, I mentioned this before about a, about a, um, a, a, another movement out there called the social gospel movement. This is one of those ones I studied actually back when I was with Hope. And I've gone back and done a lot more study even in the last few weeks. Um, the, the social gospel movement is basically a movement of religious people who got so focused on the suffering of the poor and the needy and the oppressed that that became their focus. And, and, and then pretty soon everything was judged by that. How was it helping the oppressed and the poor and the needy? And, and you, you have to understand that you can't let anything but Jesus be your focus. We know that, right? We, we've got that. This has been our theme for the year. Keep your focus on Jesus, right? Eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, it, the error they made is they made physical needs more important than spiritual needs. And that changes everything. And the church, when the church, the, these churches became very focused on suffering and oppression, they, they overshot it. They swung on the pendulum. They went way too far. Now, we have to be the people who stay focused on Jesus and we change what needs to be changed and we grow in the ways that we need to grow, but we don't just swing. We don't just react. We repent. That's the goal to repent, not react. Number two, stay connected to scripture. How do I know what do I repent of? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I know what to believe? God sets up guardrails. So we don't go to the left and we don't go to the right. This is the cool thing about our path. It has guardrails. You don't just fall off. You can't just do, you know, wander off and, and out, out in the, out in the field somewhere. Um, again, Deuteronomy 532. So be careful that you do what the Lord, your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. You know, what, what, what do I mean by guardrails? I'll give you an example. Romans 13 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that God, that, that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will be, will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for, for our, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
So this is one scripture that clearly says you need to obey the government, obey the laws. We need to be obedient. I would call that a guardrail. Don't go off the path and inside a rebellion or anarchy or anything like that. Let everyone be subject to governance. That's a guardrail. Now, listen to this. Acts 5.29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. That's saying almost the opposite, right? Well, it's because it's the other guardrail that, that, that keeps us from going too far the other direction. So it helps us to keep balance. Generally, yes, we obey the authorities. We obey the law. We do what is right. There's a group of Christians out there that say <clears throat> that Christians shouldn't pay taxes. Obviously, they're not looking at Jesus because Jesus paid his taxes. He specifically, specifically had a fish caught that had a coin in its mouth so he could pay his tax. I mean, that's a pretty clear statement, pay your taxes. But because this Christian movement is anti-governmental, they're saying don't pay your taxes and they won't pay their taxes. Clearly, they're not looking at Jesus. They're looking at something else. We pay our taxes because Jesus paid his taxes. And he tells us. So we have these guardrails, you know. And the other thing is that that in that other guardrail, the, 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 the scripture in Romans, he talks about about um, about um, not rebelling, right? Not being rebellious. I mean, generally speaking, in the Bible, all rebellions are pretty bad. God deals with rebellion pretty harsh. Remember when they when Miriam and and uh, 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 can't think of his name, Moses, Miriam, Aaron. When Miriam and Aaron re- were rebelling against Moses, God struck them with leprosy. And they were saying the things that people often say. Hey, we too have the Holy, have God. We too can discern what is right and do what is right. What do we need Moses for? That's the classic line. What do we need leaders for? We can do whatever. We have our Bibles. I can, I can go to church on the beach, you know, and, and we get that same line of reasoning. What did God do? He struck them with leprosy or the people when they were complaining against all the leaders. What did God do? He sent them a bunch of snakes that were biting them and killing them. Right. Generally speaking, God is not very favorable to rebellion. When they said the golden calf, boom, he 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 sunk him into the ground. You know, generally speaking, even even David, when Saul was clearly an evil king, you know, messing up, David did the had the well, he ran away. He didn't want to fight Saul until open war was declared and he had to and was sent by the prophets. But but even when he remember when he snuck up and he cut Saul's robe, he cut a piece of the rope. He apologized for that because he knew that Saul had been appointed the king by God. And even when he knew that God took that away and made him the king, he still was very respectful. So, eh, yeah, this scripture is right. Be careful about being rebellious. But on the other hand, then you look at, you know, put Peter and, and John and they're saying, look, we got to obey men. There are times where authorities are going to require things that are Opposite of what God is requiring. And then we do have to make a decision. Do I obey the authorities or do I obey God? I obey God in all things, right? Again, the same point. Here's another one from Jesus. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Here's Jesus slamming the leader. I mean, they're talking about Herod, the leader, the political leader of Israel. 
And and he's saying, look, you go tell that Fox. And let me tell you, Fox is not that that is not an, a positive statement. That was there's an animal that they considered sneaky and slight, probably the way we think of as a rat. Basically, the closest analogy we have modern day is a rat. Well, they called foxes things that were evil and sny and sneaky and deceitful. And he's slamming the leader. Okay, say, well, whoa, does that mean I can say whatever I want? No, no. But to say that a person cannot have an opinion would also be wrong because Jesus had opinions, right? So, but, but, but here's the thing is that some will see this, oh yeah, but you can't do that because I was taught this, 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 this. Here's what we got to be really careful is that we're really following the Bible. Well, how do we know what to follow? Well, we know 1 Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, so we got to watch our life and doctrine. So there's a time to be very, we always have respect, but there's a time to be careful. There's a time to say. Ecclesiastes 3 says very clearly, it depends, a lot of things depend on the time. There's a time to to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to save. There's a time to kill. There's a, a time to love. There's a time to hate. So this is very clearly, there's different times for different things. Um, you know, uh, in, in the scripture I read in Romans, Paul is talking very clearly about obeying the leaders and, and subjecting yourself to their authority. What leaders was he talking about? He was talking about the emperor. He's talking about the emperor of Rome who was evil, clearly evil, hurting Christians, and yet he's still telling them to be obedient, right? So, well, which one applies? Jesus was talking about an evil, and he called him a rat, you know, or a fox, you know, and, and that's where wisdom has to kick in. That's where we have to get advice and pray and really try to discern. But we have the guardrails. You don't go beyond those guardrails. We have things that show us what to do. And some of the best is, this is a really old uh, a really old saying, but it applies, it never changes. How do you know if something should be done in the Bible? Well, is there a command? Is there an example? And is there an inference? Okay, command is something that we're told to do. That's the easy one. The Bible says, go do this, go do it, right? Sometimes it doesn't command us, but there's an example, right? There's an example of it. It doesn't command us to have church every Sunday, but that is the example in the Bible. Therefore, we have church every Sunday. Uh, it's the example. So we follow their example. That's part of discipleship, right? So there's not always a command. Sometimes we just follow the example. Sometimes we don't follow the example. I mean, Jesus washed the apostles' feet. When's the last time you washed somebody's feet? Now we do it. Oh, I did it back, you know, 15 years ago at a, a retreat, you know. Okay, great. Good for you. But you can't say that you're doing this regularly. So, but he, you know, and he even said, you will be blessed if you do this. But I think... Probably wisdom would dictate he was really talking about serving each other. That was really his point. It wasn't that he specifically wants us all to become foot washers. It's the example that he set of serving, even to doing a slave's job. He would do that for them. And that's how we should not be above serving each other. And then there's inference, right? Where in the Bible does it say a disciple should not do cocaine? Doesn't say it anywhere, right? <clears throat> oh, so does that mean we can do cocaine? No, of course not. Why? Because while the Bible says don't let anything control you, drugs control us, um, master you, the Bible also forbids getting drunk 
which the idea of getting drunk is taking a chemical that alters your mindset. Clearly, that's cocaine would be an inference, right? That's very similar. Um, they didn't have cocaine when the Bible was written, so they're not going to talk about cocaine, right? Um, now, that doesn't mean sometimes people flip that around and say, well, if it's not in the Bible, then you can't do it. That's not true either, you know. Um, you know, I, I, you know, th th there are many things that we that aren't in the Bible that we believe in. We believe in quiet times. Show me one in the Bible. Well, Jesus got up early and prayed. Yeah, but he didn't call it a quiet time. There's, you won't find the word quiet time in the Bible. In fact, you won't even find the word Bible in the Bible. Sometimes people make an argument and say, oh, this can't be true because I don't see it in the Bible. Eh, you see the principle or you see maybe even an inference, but but we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't get legalistic about it and we don't get weird about it. That, that oh, it's not in the Bible, therefore it can't be true. Eh, be careful, be careful, be careful. But what guides us? Command, example, and inference. Those are the general traditional guides. What does God want us to do? Psalm 120, 12.6 says, And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Um, we have to be radically devoted to his word. And brothers and sisters, this is really important, especially right now. We have to be more devoted to his word than we are to personal philosophies, emotions, political ideologies, traditions, personal preference, sentimentality. We have to be more devoted to God's word. I remember this uh, when I just moved to San Diego, somebody wrote, a paper about helping widows. And the paper was, was a great little paper. It was written for the leadership of the church. And it made a great argument about the widows and, you know, how wonderful they are. And, and uh, you know, I mean, it's, this is what we should be doing and all the widows and how many widows are in the church and all this. The problem is it wasn't based on Scripture. And now I know all of us are thinking, yeah, but that's pure religion, taking care of widows. Yes, absolutely. But the scriptures give very clear definition of which widows should receive help from the church and why should they receive help from the church and which widows should not receive help from the church. And the problem is he blew off the scriptures and appealed to our sentimentality, which, you know, everybody who told me about the paper, they were like, oh, it's a beautiful paper. It's a great paper. We all need to do this. And I had to be the bad guy and say, wait a second, this isn't scriptural. This isn't what the Bible says. I absolutely believe in helping widows and orphans. I absolutely believe the church has to do that. But we've got to follow the scriptures about it. We can't just do things because they feel good or they feel right. We have to do things because they are right and they are good. And and that that little test... And, and I think, especially in the coming months, because the world, I, I'm, I'm afraid the world's going to get more polarized in the coming months, especially with elections coming. And we've, it's, we're going to be tested on this. How devoted to God, to Jesus and the scriptures are we to override our personal feelings about things? It, it, it shows up in politics versus God's world, word, sorry. Politics versus God's word, 
that we believe in God's word. If the word says do this, we do it. I don't care if my political ideology says don't do it. If the Bible says do it, we do it. That's why it's so important that we keep straight our priorities. The kingdom of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Political ideologies, they're down the list. And we have to make sure we don't be one of the people that Satan snags with political ideologies. Justice versus social justice. You know, I use the term social justice sometimes. I said at the very beginning, social justice, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And and what does it mean is a wide range of what it means. The most basic meaning is very biblical. But then you've got people who take it and they add a whole bunch of other junk to it. And, and stuff that would really hurt the church. And we have to be careful that we're focused on justice in the Bible. I'm not afraid of the word social justice because at its base, it is what Jesus did. He took care of people in society. But I understand that there's, there's a threat of all these political ideologies that are wrapped up in what is also called social justice. There isn't one definition. There are many definitions. And a bunch of those are bad for the church. So we'll just stick to justice. Righteousness versus critical race theory. You know, there's this whole theory out there about everything being based on race. The problem is it's not biblical. And again, that's what we've got to look at is what did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? Or even just convictions versus feelings. You know, we feel things. Oh, I feel this and I feel that. And I think this and I think that. But what is our biblical conviction about it? And that's incredibly important. Number three, we've got to refrain from judgment. We've got to be really careful about judging one another. I know the class is running a little long, but this is really important. So we're going to take the time. I mean, I'm wrapping up here, heading down home stretch. Number three, refrain from judgment. It's very easy to judge each other. Very easy. Some brother says something. Some sister says, ah, they don't get it. Ah, they're just, they're just this. They're just that. They're just, you know, they're, they're, you know, internalizing this or they're, you know, that that's because she's white. That's because she's black. That's because he's brown. That's because be careful. Be really careful. We get ourselves in trouble very quickly doing that. Luke 6.37, Jesus said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Be very careful about judgment. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Matthew 7. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure used, it will be measured to you. You know, when I get judged by people, I hope, <laughs> I hope it's with mercy and kindness. And it doesn't always happen, especially as a leader. Sometimes people judge me very harshly. It is what it is. But I know my brothers and I know what Jesus wants. He wants us to be very compassionate with each other. He wants us to be very kind with each other, very patient. Something Michelle said a long time ago that's just always stuck in my mind. Behind every jerk, there's a tragic story. So even if a brother is being a jerk, there's probably a tragic story behind it. And that gives me patience to, okay, all right, I'll work with it. You know, there's a the classic poem of walk a, do not judge somebody to walk a mile in his shoes. Before we judge, when you think about one another's, another's pain, before we appraise another's value, before we condemn, 
someone's decisions, before we criticize another's efforts, before we decide someone's a failure, before we tell someone to get over it, before we assign blame, before we post a label or a name, before we write them off and attack their shame, let us remember Jesus, the judge of our souls. And keep that in mind. Number four, keep your focus focused. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That's a good one to memorize. Psalm 16, 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Psalm twenty-five, fifteen. Got to keep our eyes on Jesus. What's our theme? Eyes fixed on Jesus. Gosh, I had no idea how important that was going to be this year. It was the Holy Spirit. We had no idea when we said this is going to be our theme, how important that would be. There are many things that are important. Justice, service, evangelism, love, compassion, forgiveness, humility, honesty, doctrine, truth, faith, righteousness. They're all important. But our focus isn't those things. Our focus is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Lastly, keep yourself ready for the battle. It's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle, not a political battle, not even an emotional battle. It's a spiritual battle we are in. The world is lost. And we're here to save. We're here to rescue we're here to help people be redeemed by Jesus. We have to remember that. We have to keep reaching out to other people and remember the gospel. I think a lot of us, a lot of us, we're not in the battle. We're not out there reaching out to people. We're not trying to help somebody know Jesus. Get back in the battle. Get back in the spiritual battle. Your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness, your belt of truth, your sword of the spirit, your shield of faith, and your feet protected by the gospel. We got to stay in there, guys. This can be our finest hour. We're challenged right now on all sides. And it's mid-July. Everybody's going on vacation, <laughs> including myself. Michelle and I will be going on vacation. But we got to stay close to God. And we got to keep reaching out to people. And keep preaching the good news of Jesus. We will learn what we need to learn about race relations, about respect, about suffering, about all those things. And we need to, Michelle and I, as the servants of this region, we're going to make sure we learn these things and we grow and we set a great example and that we're unified and that we're one. But I'm not aware, I'm not unaware of the fight that we've got with Satan, not with each other, with Satan. And he's after us. And the greatest thing is we know the way. We know the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's the way. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry I went a little bit longer than normal, but I think this was a very important study that we need to do. There's some really great questions that we can discuss. What is it that I need to grow in? How can I help with 
creating greater unity, greater love. What are things I can learn? Who do I need to talk to for greater understanding? Remember, seek to understand, not to be understood. Who do I need to talk to? And how do I keep my eyes on Jesus? So thank you for your attention. And thank you for being a great, great church. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.